Welcome. If you're a woman who has a sense that there's more out there for you, you're in the right place. I'm Whitney Baker, host of the Electric Ideas podcast. Somewhere along the line of working kids, life carried on, but I lost track of my truth. I'm on a reflective journey, and that's what this podcast is all about. Each week, I interview a woman who is lighting her own path and offering others hope. Before our conversation ends, we'll share a reflective question for you to explore. Sometimes all we need is a jolt, a fresh idea, an aha moment that connects us to a sense of possibility. This, my friends, is what I call an electric idea. Welcome back to Electric Ideas. Today's guest is Kelsey Greenwood. Kelsey is an integrative life coach who's devoted to helping others create their own freedom by facing their deepest fears and learning to trust themselves. Her work involves harmonizing the mind and emotions, inner child healing methods, as well as healthy boundaries and communication to deepen relationships. So let's get into it. Good morning, Kelsey. Welcome to the show. Hello, Whitney. I'm so glad to be here. I'm really excited to have you on. We've got so much to talk about, but let's start with your story. I know some, you know, spiritual seekers talk about this dark night of the soul. And for me, (laughs) in layman's terms, I would just say that's a low point that sometimes inspires a journey. And I'm just wondering if that was part of your own experience. Mm, Such a bold question right off the bat. Yes, 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 yes. I feel like, you know, the times in our life when we're met with the most resistance are often the times where it's the turning points, you know, when we look back in hindsight of where just something changed, something shifted. So yeah, absolutely. A big part of my journey started in the physical. I struggled for years for, gosh, more than five years with chronic digestive issues. I went to doctors. I had just different procedures done. I tried different diets. I just, I tried everything that I possibly could. Doctors didn't have answers. Doctors told me there was nothing I could do. And it was a really defeating feeling. And, you know, along with my journey starting in that physical area, I also was experiencing brain fog and anxiety and fatigue. And I became obsessed with the fitness industry. And, you know, it was kind of like a distraction of like trying to control something. So I got really into this obsessive exercise and food restriction. And the digestive issues persisted. And I just was like, Oh, my gosh, and this led me into more of like the self development side of things. So, you know, I started listening to the podcast, reading some books, journaling a little bit, but it was more of just like, these are the things I'm grateful for, (laughs) just tracking the little pixie dust. And that's when I really found myself at a head where I was like, okay, I'm doing the quote unquote self-care and the mindset, or so I thought. I'm working out regularly, like I'm trying to take care of my body and still like nothing's changing. I felt super depleted, burnt out. My body was so inflamed, taxed. And I found myself in a really dark place, which is, I think, what I would describe as like, here's the dark night of the soul arising. And it was heavy and it was dense. And there was a period of time where I had suicidal thoughts and there was a part of my spirit. I kind of like to describe it as like there was an ember that was still lit in my fire. And it was like, I am here for more. Like, this is not what this human life, whatever this is, is supposed to feel like and be like draining and depleting and depressing. And 
dark. So I started tuning into different resources and came across a woman named Nicole Sachs, and she taught inner child healing, and she taught about the mind-body connection. And essentially, her work with the mind-body connection is recognizing the deeply embedded beliefs that we've been conditioned into and that we've held onto and carried into our adult years, auditing those and rewiring our brain and our nervous system, and also processing suppressed emotions from the past and from our childhood. And I dove headed first into this work because I'm like, at this point, what do I have to lose? I feel like I've tried everything. And so I started doing the emotional work of really processing deeply suppressed and repressed emotions. And within a month of doing this work, I experienced a breakthrough and my digestive issues and my spark. I felt hopeful again. I felt inspired. I wanted to share, you know, this new discovery with everybody. And that just completely catapulted me into my spiritual journey. And yeah, it just, it opened this door, this portal for so much more expansion. Basically what started to come after that is I ended up parting from an eight-year relationship. I ended up buying my first home at 25. I ended up leaving my corporate safety net job. So there was a lot of just breakthroughs of like, this is what I'm no longer available for. And this is who I'm stepping into. And it's been a wild and absolutely beautiful journey ever since. Yes, I say absolutely beautiful journey. And thank you for sharing that and so vulnerably with us. And I, I look at you now, I can see you and you know, I I can't even picture this depleted, dark, defeated self that you describe because you just have this Mm. radiance and this sense of expansion, even talking to you. I'm really glad that you were able to keep that ember in mind. So now I'm not surprised that you became an integrative life coach just because you have such a powerful story. And I can tell from the conversations we've had that you're just generous and sincere from wanting to share like, oh my gosh, don't give up hope that there's other women who I'm sure have had a similar journey. And I can tell how sincere you are of wanting to help them. Some people don't know what it means to be an integrative life coach. So can you give us a little flavor for what your clients might expect if they're coming to you for some sessions? Yeah, definitely. Great question. So integrative life coaching is a whole body approach to life coaching. So this involves the four systems, which are your mental, emotional, physical, and spiritual systems, which is also very parallel to my journey. You know, I went through all of these different parts of me to come back into this sense of wholeness. And so my approach is that mind-body work to where we go into the mind. We basically, the priority in my approach through integrative life coaching is harmonizing the mind and the emotions. So your thoughts and your beliefs, along with your emotional body, your feelings, your relationship to yourself, your relationship with others, your relationship to the world around you. And We do that by looking in the dark places of our past or looking in the dark places of our current relationship or our current biggest obstacles, or even just where we find ourselves complaining the most, you know, where we're the most dissatisfied and looking in these places and getting really honest with ourselves and being like, okay, you know, what, 
what have I been available for? What thoughts am I just allowing to lead my life? You know, am I hanging out in a place of lack, mentality, scarcity, fear, victimhood? Or am I really allowing myself to dream up what's possible? Am I, do I feel hopeful? Do I feel joy and ease and play or, or whatever it is? And it's a matter of harmonizing these two systems, the mind and the heart, to come into coherence to create the sense of freedom in your life. And that's the work that I do with my clients. That is the goal is, is personal freedom. And with personal freedom, you know, freedom is a really fluffy word. Who doesn't want more freedom in their life, right? And with freedom, the way I like to describe like this goal that we're working towards, it's not oh, so I can have this, you know, luxurious vacation and, and life is just a breeze, so to speak. It's not about this like one thing or this one achievement. It's really about creating, and this is for me, freedom. It's about creating play and joy and that sense of ease in the everyday life, in the mundane, and really creating your heaven here and now. I actually caught up with a friend Last week, we got lunch, an old friend from high school, and she was visiting Jacksonville. And she was being right at the beach. And she's like, Oh, my gosh, I just love being by the beach. She's like, how do you actually do your work and like not flip the switch off your brain? I'm like, Okay, I'm not on vacation just because I live by the beach. And I paused and I was like, you know, my life is a vacation. That's my goal is to create heaven here now. And I really believe that's so possible, that freedom that ultimately all of us desire. And it looks different for everybody, but that freedom in just the everyday of creating that play, that joy, that ease is the ultimate win in life. And it is possible for everybody. Yes. As you're talking, I'm like, I knew I had to have her on the show because we are so aligned when it comes to this. And a lot of what I teach and, and try to embody is this remembrance of choice still. And this feeling of personal freedom, it, you know, so many women are like, well, this is just how it is now, Mm -hmm. especially as you get older and maybe have, you know, more responsibilities or families or that sort of thing. And I couldn't agree with you more about not waiting until the vacation or the, the change that may or may not make a big difference in how you feel Mm -hmm. to embodying this sense of expansion and freedom in your life. So from a more practical perspective, because not, not everybody's going to be able to, to get a session with Kelsey, even though I'm sure we'd all love one. If somebody just in general wanted to be a little bit more mindful about creating this sense of freedom and play and inviting that into their life in small ways, what are some tips you give your, your clients? Yeah, that's such a great question. And I love Practical application. I'm all about it because, you know, we can get super swept away with the esoteric or like the magical side of manifestation, which is absolutely amazing and serves a massive purpose and is also important. But it's also just as important to, you know, remember that we're in a human body having a human experience. And it's like, we're here, here now. So some practical ways to really start cultivating this sense of freedom. I think one along with like these dark nights of the soul, whether or not whoever's listening is going through something like that, I think it's really important to take time for yourself and to create space for solitude. Because if we're not creating space to slow down and really 
observe the thoughts that are just like passing through our mind like clouds every day, then we don't know what's happening. We don't have clarity. We're just kind of going through the motions. So I think creating that sense of solitude to either journal or just sit on the ground and breathe or, or be out in nature and go on a walk is really important to slow down your body so you can slow down your mind enough to really become the observer of everything that's happening. So that would be my first tip. And, and when you slow down and create solitude for yourself, you can become this observer. And I like to think of it as like, here's your human avatar, this physical body, which I believe we are more than this physical body. And I like to imagine myself zooming out, almost like I'm zooming out from a bird's eye view of earth. And I'm looking at this human avatar and I'm like, oh, she's so cute. And she really, you know, is doing her best. And, and I can start to observe from this higher perspective, from my higher self, what's going on, you know, and where I feel stuck and where I'm capping myself and limiting myself. So becoming the observational self and that creates a new sense of awareness of what's going on rather than just getting caught up in like, well, this is my life. I go to work. I come home. I go to the gym. I make dinner. I go to bed, rinse and repeat. Yeah. And I just want to hop in real quick there because one thing that's worked for me too, back to not, not having to have these like huge expanses of time. And I've talked about this, I maybe even on the show before is just taking literally setting my phone for five minute, mini peace buffers is what I call them. It was a teaching of mine because, you know, you might not make it for the afternoon stroll. I hope you do, but (laughs) I hope you do both. Life happens sometimes. But sometimes I feel like that can be a win just to stop and be like, okay, re-anchor to the present and just digest a little bit or chill. (laughs) Totally. Yeah. And I I think that it, it leaves me better able to step into the next thing with more intention too, mm-hmm. in a, a sense of groundedness. Mm-hmm. So I just wanted to share that as like a tip on a tip. <laughs> yeah, I love that. And, and like you said, too, I, I mean, I just love like the lightheartedness of that intention of setting aside those five minutes, because also, I think there's a lot of magic when life does happen, because it does like we're humans, you know, we face obstacles, sticky things happen, messes come up. And when we can pivot and be like, okay, let me adapt to this. How am I going to respond? So something I, I talk a lot about in my coaching containers is, are you reacting or are you responding? And reactions are often triggers from, you know, emotional experiences, or you're just completely like out of control, trying to control things. Whereas the response is when you just allow yourself to pause and almost reorganize your brain and like reframe what you're about to say or what you're about to do or how you're about to respond to the situation. Like thinking about like, I don't know why this is the image that comes into my head, but like just rearranging a room and making it a little fresher, you know, and a little brighter. And when we can pause and respond, that's really where we can create what we were talking about earlier, that sense of freedom. So for example, if you have kids and you go to take your five minutes for yourself and then your baby, you just put her down for a nap and she starts wailing, screaming, crying. And you're like, "Ah." and yeah, there's a party that's ticked off and you're like, I just want five minutes to myself. But there's a lot of magic and just reframing like, okay, 
how can I just kind of laugh with this or bring in more lightheartedness? Because if I sit here and throw a hissy fit and then I'm angry, then I'm also going to be projecting that energy onto my baby. And it's just going to create more angst, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and anger and whatever. And it's like, that's not the only moment that you have. We've got to look at the bigger picture and be like, okay, clearly, you know, there's something I needed to pivot. I can adapt and then I can move forward with my day and, and still respond. And it really, when you respond, it, it puts the power back in your hands. Absolutely. And it feels so good and you feel so empowered when you are in that position where you're not, you know, something that would have maybe led you to a knee jerk reaction before that reaction feels terrible. And then usually Mm -hmm. you don't, you words are powerful and usually you don't use them in the way that you wish you would have. But I feel like back to your tip, when you give yourself kind of these spaces to replenish and be anchored, then you're more in a position to respond. So I love that. Okay. So we're going to give ourselves even small or large kind of times to anchor back to ourselves. I like that. What else can we do to help create a little bit of that playful and expansive and sense within our lives? Any other things? Yes. I would say something that I love to do. I teach a lot of inner child healing work in my coaching containers and I have my clients create what I call your inner child starter pack. And it's like four things that remind you of your childhood. So for me, that is peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, love PB&Js, little like beaded jewelry. I used to love making bracelets, tie-dye, anything like vibrant colors and sunshine. Like I loved playing outside. And so I have my little inner child starter pack. And when I am really desiring to invite in more play, more ease, more joy, whether it's because I'm having a bad day or because I want to enhance my good day, I kind of will pick a little thing where I'm like, this is how I'm going to connect with my inner child. And I'll put on the bracelet, you know, sometimes in the morning, if I'm like, you know, I want a little more play, I'll put on the bracelet and it almost activates this part of your spirit, you know, your child, childlike self, which is so fun and, and spontaneous and playful or you know, and, and when we tap into that, it creates this more lightheartedness in our life, or maybe I'll make a PB&J that day for lunch. And it's just so, it's like an, it's a really indescribable feeling. It's hard to put into words, but it just activates that part of you that still exists in you. We all have that five-year-old self still with us. You know, we grow up and we get into our adult bodies and we have, you know, more responsibilities. Yes. But I'm a firm believer that this idea that the older you get, the harder life gets is so false. I just do not agree with that. You know, I think the older we get, yeah, we have more responsibilities. We have families, we have bills to pay, we have kids to take care of, but who said it has to be hard and, you know, one big groan, you know, it's up to you. Like you said, it comes back to choice and we all have a choice and that is our power. And we're all pretty good at, in general, I think as adults, sometimes we're just creating a lot of our own suffering. That's so true. And when it becomes so familiar, you know, and the subconscious mind locks it in, it's like, okay, this is the new normal. We can almost become addicted to our own suffering as wild as that sounds, because it's just what we know. 
Yeah, no, that actually makes sense. And I know one thing that I wanted to make sure to chat with you about just because I feel like there is a spiritual underpinning to everything you, you teach. And so I wanted to talk to you about ego. So this is actually the perfect segue Yay! because we haven't talked about ego from a spiritual perspective on this show yet. And I just, I think we kind of need to set the table and I'll, I'll share kind of from my perspective, what we're not talking about. Cause I think that that will help listeners discern a little bit. So Okay. We're not talking about the slick back bodybuilder on the beach, right? <laughs> Taking selfies. That's kind of like self-centered or someone who's full of their self that's egotistical. And that is like the Miriam Webster definition of egotistical. Okay. But that's, yeah. we're putting that on the shelf. That's not what we're getting at here. And then I think anyone who's taken like an introduction to psych class in high school or college probably has the concept of the Sigmund Freud, you know, super ego id and Yes, that might have some something to be like explored, but that's also in my mind, not what we're getting at here. Is that fair? (laughs) Yes. Yes. And I'm glad that you made that clear. So how would you explain ego from a spiritual perspective? Ego from a spiritual perspective. Okay. So I look at our ego as really, she's a part of us. We all have, you know, we're made up of these different parts and she's really the part of us that one, her job is to protect us. I I mean, I'm saying her because that's how I identify with my ego as a she one, she's there to protect me. And she's also there to help me create a sense of self, which is ultimately a sense of separation. And I like to think of it as I do believe that there is this interconnectedness there is this oneness of, of all things. We are a part of nature, but it's kind of like our part of nature is like one slice to the whole pie. You know, that's the interconnection. So if you think of a brownie pan, you know, there's corner pieces, there's edge pieces, there's center pieces, and they're all brownies, but they've all, they all taste differently. They have different textures. Some are chewier than others. And that's kind of like our ego, right? It creates this sense of independence, this sense of self. And allows us to like differentiate, but really her goal is to protect us. And how she shows up with that is sometimes the ego shows up. And I like to think of it as like, there's a dark side and a light side, right? We live in a world of duality. So there's polarity. Polarity is duality. So this polarity of the ego is this shadowy dark side and this light expansive side. That's more of like the soul. And this darker side of the ego, she tries to protect us by, you know, that's more of like the self-sabotage, the drops in, the, the self-doubt when you want to try something new or something good for yourself, um, the judgment that comes online, the comparison, the jealousy, these lower frequency emotions, this victimhood, lack, scarcity mentality. And then there's this lighter side, which is the innate joy. It's the, it's the soul's innate essence, which is joy, ease, freedom, love. And it's really important when working with the ego to identify these shadowy parts of ourselves and not to shame or blame this part of ourselves. She genuinely like is just trying to protect you, you know, from experiences in the past where say you're, you have a friend where in the past, a similar type of friendship triggered something and then it's activated in this new relationship. It's like, she's trying to protect you from the hurt you once felt 
And sometimes we've got to remind her like, we're okay, I'm safe, I'm protected, like it's safe to be in this experience. But sometimes that part of the ego, that darker side of, of the ego is activated and you start comparing yourself or you start to feel jealous and you're like, they have this thing, they have that thing. And it's, it's this separation that's kind of like, it's like an illusory separation of self. I feel like the most common comparison that comes up for me all the time when I, whenever I'm studying this is you would never look at the ocean and think of one wave as separate. And that can be kind of this idea of ego is separate or non-belonging or not part of, of the masterpiece. Is that resonant for you? Yes. I love that. I love that. And, you know, it's a matter of just like seeing these parts of us that are activated, that are triggered, these, you know, more wounded parts of us, these shadowy parts of our ego that ultimately she's trying to protect you, but to see them for what they are, to understand where they came from and get to that root cause. And then to bring ourselves up into this lighter innate soul essence, which is that lighter side of self. And, and I think ultimately that's what life is, is it's a coming home to the true self. And it's through that it's unlayering, unraveling these parts of our ego that are basically like survival mechanisms that have kept us safe and then bringing ourselves back home to this complete self, this basically reconnecting back to your soul and back to your spirit. Definitely. And I, I thank you for the, the super helpful explanation. I always love hearing people's perspective too. I was listening to something this week and I scratched out actually Eckhart Tolle, a quote that I heard, and I'm going to share it because I feel like it also encapsulates my perspective. It says, when you no longer identify with every thought that comes, that's the end of the ego. The ego cannot dissolve itself, but in the light of awareness, it dissolves. So I thought that that was a very succinct, I'm going to read it one more time, just because I feel like Please. it's, yeah. uh, it's very, <laughs> like I said, it's takes a little bit. This is, it's hard for, it's a big thing to digest, right? And something I know I'll study for my whole life. So when you no longer identify with every thought that comes, that's the end of ego. The ego cannot dissolve itself, but in the light of awareness, it dissolves. Mm. It's so good. And it comes back to this observational self that I suggested earlier of like, it's about zooming out. And I know Eckhart Tolle talks a lot about that is becoming the observer of your life, becoming this sense of awareness and not identifying with these parts of ourselves. But it is important in order to transcend these darker shadowy parts, we have to go into the fear, we have to face these sticky parts of ourselves or sticky memories where we're like, no, I don't want to look there. I don't want to open that can of worms. But looking at it, seeing it for what it is, and and allowing that to be the dissolvement of those darker parts. It's this, this quote that I love. I don't know who it originated from, but it says the path to liberation is in the fear. Hmm. We've got to go through and face these parts of ourselves that somewhere subconsciously we're suppressing, we're repressing, we're holding on to that are actually holding us back to untangle us and bring us up into this sense of freedom and this sense of wholeness and contentment with ourselves, with our life and, and the trajectory we're on. Right. And I, I think that a lot of people 
can relate on a lot of a lot of different levels about this. And I, you're exactly right. Kind of like getting, giving ourselves this opportunity to be in observer mode, which we've covered, but that's, you know, a, a simple step that can help us on so many levels. What are some more practices that you offer to your clients that might help us if we are trying to better understand and transcend this egoicness from a spiritual sense? Yes. Yes. So with the ego, something that I really love to do is to have a dialogue with her. I put a name to her even to, I, I call her a her, you know, so I can identify this part of me that is not all of me. Because I think when we're going through something where we're like, oh my gosh, my bank account's really low, or I'm experiencing all these physical health issues. When you're in the thick of it, it feels like that's all that that is. You know, it's really hard to like, the observational self when you're in a triggered or a wounded state and you're really moving through it. So I think having a dialogue and identifying it as like, this is just a part of me, but this is not my whole experience. This is not my, like the rest of my life. And so having a dialogue with the ego, I think is really helpful and kind of like a, a process that I like to go through with that is to first get really honest and let myself be angry and express the frustrations that I'm feeling about this person that I'm judging or this person I'm comparing myself to, or the situation that's quote unquote happening to me, which I wholeheartedly believe that situations happen for us, whether or not we like to recognize that in the moment, but having this dialogue and, and first just getting honest and, and being raw and telling the truth and and saying the things that we don't necessarily mean, but that the inner child, the inner five-year-old is kicking and screaming and is like, no, that's not fair. And, and, you know, I think that there's a lot of journaling practices that are like, focus on the good and, and positivity. And I think that's amazing. But if we're not facing these shadow parts that are just still kicking and screaming, then like, it's still going to be there. You know, it's like sweeping something under the rug. It just, the rug is going to get bigger, you know, it's not going anywhere. So first step in this dialogue with the ego would be tell the truth and be raw and be honest. And then to almost reframe that or, or really just shift your perspective, like putting on a new pair of sunglasses and looking at it through a rose colored lens, be like, Hmm, what's here for me? You know, what, what is there something here for me to learn? You know, maybe it's a karmic lesson, a karmic pattern or or how has this come to teach me? Or how is this somehow working for me? And, and shifting your perspective. And then with that, compassion, 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 and bathing it in love, bathing your ego in love and looking at her and telling her, oh my gosh, thank you. I know, I know, sweetie, you're just trying to protect me. This compassionate, empathetic voice and, and allow her to be there. there. I had a mentor that used to share this analogy of fear. And she said, she would say, you know, we're human beings, fear is going to exist, fear is going to come up, you know, we're gonna experience hard parts of life. But imagine fear, as she can take up space, you're in the driver's seat, so you're all in a car, I'm in the driver's seat. Fear is not even allowed to be in the passenger seat. She's not even, she's, she's not controlling the steering wheel. She's not even controlling the GPS, but she can sit in the back seat and take up space. But I'm not going to let her lead me in the direction or in this downward spiral. Like, no, my hands are on the wheel of my life. And that puts the power again back in your hands. 
So one, telling the truth. Two, compassion, reframing. Three, bathing it in love. And four, a really important piece in this dialogue with the ego is forgiveness. Mm. Forgiving yourself, forgiving this part of you that's trying to protect you. And I feel like this really dissolves a lot of that pain and a lot of that hurt that we so often grow addicted to in subconscious or unconscious ways. This is a lot of wonderful things for us to digest and try. So I want to just kind of say this back to you. So we make sure that people can, can really explore it. So first of all, I'm so glad you, I'm so glad that the forgiveness piece was at the end in the same conversation I was listening to with Tolly. I think that whole analogy of like when ducks fight, do you know about, you know, when ducks fight, they have an argument and then they flap their wings and then, yeah. you know, and then like five minutes later, they're cruising around serenely and it's all good. Humans two hours later, will be ruminating about an argument or a situation that went bad. And, and thinking about it that way reminds me to be compassionate with myself. Cause that's just how we're wired sometimes. Right. Mm-hmm. And we are here it's a human experience. So that forgiveness of just knowing that we want to step into this awareness, but the forgiveness is a big part of the piece too. So with that in mind, let's say, all right. So we're kind of having an awareness of some of these like shadowy emotions, these lower frequency emotions is how you described it earlier. One of the techniques that I, I use, it's this very similar, but I think it's Gabby Bernstein coined like rage on the page. So mm. it's kind of, and I just, I just wanted to share that in a little bit more detail. Cause it's kind of like rewriting, just like puke on the page, just like angry. Right. And it's just for you. You know, I think that yeah. some women even feel guilty getting into that negative space. So I wanted to come back to that because there's all this conversation lately about toxic positivity. And I, I want, I'd love your opinion on it because I feel like, well, we want to have a positive outlook on life. And I definitely am someone who does that. I think that you're reminding us how important it is to not sweep these emotions under the rug. Can you tell us about Mm -hmm. that a little bit? Yes. It's so funny. You brought up Gabby Bernstein because she actually learned, she coined the term rage on a page from the practice that she learned from Nicole Sachs, which is who I learned about the mind-body connection from, which is who I also learned a lot of this practice of being unfiltered, saying the truth, this journaling practice that we were just talking about. And coming together. (laughs) Yeah, full circle, right? The thing about this rage on a page or Nicole Sachs coins it as journal speak is allowing yourself to say the unfiltered things and to be raw, to be messy. I mean, full transparency. I said some nasty things about my puppy at the time who I didn't even want, about my partner at the time who was triggering the heck out of me. You know, I just, I I finally was saying the things that a part of me felt, you know, and maybe it wasn't true, but I felt it. And it just was like causing this fire. But when we kind of like try and, keep a a lid on that fire it just wants to explode it's kind of like a rice cooker I don't know if do you use a rice cooker I don't but I have the visual I'm following (laughs) it like starts (laughs) bubbling in the last in the home stretch of the rice being ready it's like 
we try and keep a lid on these suppressed emotions when they just want to be expressed. So with the rage on a page practice or the journal practice, wherever you're just being raw, something I like to do is to tear it up after, throw it away, burn it. Some people burn it, but I like to like destroy it in some way and then always end with some sort of compassion meditation or gratitude meditation, or even just sitting with your hand on your heart and breathing and just giving thanks. I think that kind of brings you back up into this frequency of like, okay, that was a release. And then you can kind of leave it where it is. And so it is and walk away. And over time, when you come back to this practice and do it consistently, I mean, that practice specifically is what I did and what literally helped me break through five plus years of chronic digestive issues where doctors didn't have answers. That's the exact practice I did and ripped it up after compassion meditation. And I just came back to it over and over again. It dissolves these, these dense parts of ourselves and our body because emotions are energy in motion. So when we have suppressed emotions in our body that we're not addressing, you know, the triggering situation that happened with your husband or like this experience with a boss or whatever it was, if we don't process that, and we're just like sweeping it under the rug, it gets stuck in our body. And that's where the headache comes in, you know, it's stuck crumbled energy, or that's where the digestive issues come in, or that's where the pelvic floor pain comes in, or the random aches and pains we get in our joints. We're like, oh, suddenly I have lower back pain. Mm-hmm. It, it comes from this stuck energy, anxiety too, depression too. It comes from unprocessed emotions. So yes, long story long, I think that the rage on a page, ripping it up and then ending with some sort of compassion meditation is super helpful. Beautiful. I know that that seems very accessible and something that everyone would want to try. I we're coming up against time. I just wanted to give you a quick, since we've covered a beautiful range. Is there anything that came to mind as we were talking that you didn't get a chance to share, whether it be about your practice, personal freedom or ego? Hmm. I think we covered a lot of good stuff. I would say one, one final piece to really releasing emotions that I think more and more people are talking about that could be helpful is if journaling is not your thing, try somatic practices. And that's, I know we've talked about in our conversation, sacred rage. For some people, journaling feels like the safest option if you live with somebody or, or you know, there are circumstances where you're like, I'm, I just, this is what I am capable and accessible to doing right now. But if you want to dabble into the somatic release of releasing this trapped rage, I think like shaking, like physically shaking your body or, you know, a lot of people talk about punching a pillow, screaming into a pillow there have been times where I've been going through things and I just let myself wail on the ground like a baby. And it's so cathartic and it, it sounds silly and it sounds, it's your ego that wants to come online and be like, that's silly or that's dumb or like that won't work or whatever, but try it, you know, release sound. Sometimes if I've had a really tough day or tough experience, I'll just allow myself to release one big groan or moan in my exhale and just voice sound vibration. Like it's all energy. And so when we can allow ourselves to just explore different modalities and find what works for us, that's really the, the key. And as we grow and adapt, that'll evolve too. But trying on different practices, I think is really important to find what fits for you. Thank you. I'm really glad you shared that because, and I think that your entire journey is a testament to kind of doggedly 
not giving up on trying different things. And I think that's really a message of hope that women are not as stuck. And that's part of what my podcast is all about is just inviting in this new sense of like possibility that there is something on the other side for you if you don't feel like you're at home yet. So for sure. And I really believe when we feel that spark of inspiration, that's just proof that it is possible for us to have that breakthrough and, and really invite in that freedom that we all desire and deserve. Amazing. Okay. I always end my, I'm very reflective. I'm a writer. I'm big into journaling as well. So I always end my podcasts in the same way. And that is asking each guest, what's one question women should be asking themselves more. Mm. This is a, this is a great question. I love this. I would say, especially to women who maybe struggle with people pleasing or being agreeable or just being a good girl, ask yourself, what are you saying yes to? That's actually a no. What are you saying yes to? That's actually a no. I think women, especially we just become yes men and we don't want to make too much of a mess. And this is, you know, I think this is, a generational pass down more than anything of just the role women have played in society. But yeah, that's all I'll say. What are you saying yes to? That's actually a no. Get really honest with yourself and compassionate for the truth to come out. Beautiful. Thank you for that offering. This has been a delight. I know people are going to want to follow you and learn more. So where can we find you? Yes. On Instagram at Kelsey Greenwood, K-E-L-S-E-Y, green like the color and wood like the tree. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining me today, Kelsey. Yes. Thank you, Whitney. I'm so glad you joined me today. If you're looking for more, feel free to connect with me on Instagram at at Whitney Woman. And if you enjoyed the show, I invite you to support me by leaving a review or sharing it with a friend. Hope you have an inspired day.